Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. I'm going to give you something tonight that I've, I've, I've read and prayed and studied on and off all day on this one particular passage. It's funny how messages come. I was looking for something else. Stumbled right up on this. What about that? And uh, that's how God works. And I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. My reading's lengthy. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read verse 18, then I'm going to start in verse 6 to get this in context. This, I, I don't know, I, I guess this will be expository preaching tonight, but just uh, stay with me. It may turn into a Bible study, but I found a few things today that, 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 that touched my heart. That, uh, it, it wasn't that I didn't know, but I got reminded. You ever do that? You're reading the Word of God, especially if you're over 50. You're reading the Word of God and you say, oh! Hallelujah. Found that again. It hadn't changed. It's still there. So uh, all you kids that's under 50, just keep living. And uh, you'll get there one of these days. Verse number 18, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. If you found it, shout amen. amen. But we all. That's, it's important right there, the all. With open face, beholding as in a glass... The glory of the Lord. And I find, I got this today. It, it just, it, it just lit my fuse. Started crank my tractor. Got me going. Helped me out. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Father, I love you. Thank you for the night, the time, the place, the people that have come out. What an opportunity, Lord, to share a blessing from the book into the lives of the people. I pray you fill my mouth and guard my tongue. Help me, God, as I stand to break the bread. I pray that you'd touch us with ears to hear and hearts to receive. I pray I'll be an encouragement to you people tonight. Hallelujah. God, the world's falling apart, but it's falling right into place. You're in every move, God, Bible prophecy being fulfilled even before our very eyes. I'm glad, Lord, that you let me read your book. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for letting me read your book. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God that revealed to me that it's true. Now help us, God, tonight. I'll praise you for everything it's done. Ask it in my king's name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Now, this chapter starts out with Paul, and he's, he's telling him, said, look, I don't need a letter from you to know who I am and what I do. Said, uh, as a matter of fact, you're my letter. And I thought I'd preach maybe tomorrow night at camp meeting on reading the writing of God, but got kind of sidetracked on that and got another message out of this. So Paul starts his chapter out like that. And, and then, then we begin in verse number six. These, it, let me just catch five while I'm at it. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Look here, there's no self-made men or women. Unless God bless us, we never get out of the bed, amen? Hey, watch my verse, Acts 17, 28, and in him, and move, and have our being. Verse number six says, 
so we can get that understanding he's talking about, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, let's talk about the law, not of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But all the letter can do of the law is condemn us to death. Because if we fail in one jot or tittle, one little piece of it, we're guilty, Brother Darrell, of all breaking all the law. And the law said you break the law, you die. Lawbreakers die. So we're guilty of that, but, but praise God. When they looked in the Ark of the Covenant at Beth Shemesh, they should have never took the lid off that thing. When the cart came in, the cow come bringing it in, and there was the Ark of the Covenant, they should have never lifted the seat because when they move the mercy seat, they reveal the letter, and without the mercy seat, you look on the letter and you're a dead man. It'll kill you. So without the mercy seat, those that are under the law, God help them. Why? Why is that? Why didn't Old Testament people die? Because they had a blood sacrifice. And it covered it for a period of time. Till the next year. The high priest's got to come in and do his work. But he's made, but the spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. For the glory of his countenance. Which glory was to be done away. Now I want to stop right there for just a minute. I'm talking about tonight unveiling a vessel. Well, there's, there's, I'll hit on four different vessels here. Since I come to Moses, if I may, he's the first one. So we know from Exodus chapter 34 that when Moses, this is the second time he's been up there with God. First time he went up there with God, God hewed out the stone and he wrote with his finger the law, Moses had it, come down off the mountain, there's a golden calf, they're having a, a, a dancing party, and Moses gets mad and breaks the law, and that's a picture of us. The, before they ever heard the law, they were lawbreakers. But they done it in a big way. Now Moses, they broke the law. Moses actually threw it down and broke the law. But they were lawbreakers before they ever heard the law. That's us. David said, I, I, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That means he's a natural born sinner. So he breaks it. Second trip, God tells Moses, you hew them out this time. There's a reason Moses hewed out the second stones. The first one, God done it all. The second one, man had a part in why? Because it's about to be another testament and man has part of that. Why? When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a wall. He hewed out the stone, but he didn't write on it. God wrote on the stone. You still with me? He wrote on the stone. Now this is Moses. Now when Moses comes off the mountain this time, He's not mad. I'd say his face shone with a little indignation on that first trip. This trip down, here's what happened. They see him and Moses' face is a glow. And the Bible said that Moses didn't even know it. 
What's that mean, preacher? That means that somebody that's really got the glory of God on them has nothing about themselves. If it's about them and no flesh shall in my presence. So Moses has got the glory of God on him. He's glowing. They see him. He's speaking to them. Now I've read this wrong a lot of years. I just didn't understand the Hebrew. I had to read after some learned men to catch this. And I said, Moses covered up his face because they couldn't look on the glory. That's not the way the Bible reads it. You take it. You study out chapter 34 of Exodus yourself. He took the veil off when he spoke to him. Woo! You know why? Because they said, see the glory. So they could see the glory. And it had nothing to do with Moses. It's just who he'd been with. You get with him. You stay with him a while. And they'll see the glory on you. Praise God, you can't hide it. And you don't need to hide it. When the glory of God's on you, just let them see the glory. Let them see the glory of God. Don't be ashamed of it. The more I know about Jumping Joe, the better I like him. Let him dance. And if anybody's got anything bad to say about it, let them talk to me. Because I'll ask them what they've done for God lately. Joe can't sing. Joe can't play an instrument. He's a working machine. But I tell you what he can do. He can dance. <laughs> we was at Todd's, whenever that was, September, we was over at Brother Todd Black's, and Joe's got a few new moves. I said, whoa, look at that. <laughs> he don't do it for any attention on himself. Not a bit. And if you think he does, you're dead wrong. I know him. And he said when God convicted him, him watching, laughing, making fun of them Hindus, dancing to them dead gods, and the Holy Ghost checked him and said, you've never done that for me. And he said, I will. And he does. And it scares some people at camp meeting. It'll be all right. I tell them, just close your eyes and listen. So Moses has the glory on him. And look, look at this. And he unveiled the vessel. And they could see the glory. That's the whole idea. We come, on through, we come on through the Old Testament. We get, now we've got the tabernacle built. And Aaron has been instructed as to what to do in the tabernacle. And here's what he says. The Lord tells him, said, Aaron, you go kill a bullock for yourself. You kill a goat for the layman or for the other people. What's that say? That says that the guy that's doing the service for the Lord, it's going to cost him more than the average guy sitting in the pew. Don't get into ministry thinking it's, there's no sacrifice involved. Stay out of ministry if you don't understand it's going to cost you more than it costs the rest of them. One boy that told me, he said, well, you're just going all the time. 
I said, you know what? I finally know what it means to live for others instead of yourself. That's what you do. You're boasting. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. And some of my friends put me to shame. They're gone every night. I get a few nights off. He said, you lose this life, you'll find it. That's what he said. Moses, Aaron, being instructed of God, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in there and you're going to take the blood from that bullock that's for you and you got to put it once a year, you're going to put it on the mercy seat. Watch this. So he tells him to do this. You take a censer and you go to the altar where the sacrifice has been made and you take coals off of that altar where the fire's at. Got to be in there. You got to put it in the censer. You got to have incense in your hand. He would have had to done this. He would have had to pull the curtain back. He'd had to pull that curtain back and he stepped in that place, Brother Bob. And if he's wrong, anything wrong with him, when he steps in that place, he's a dead man. But here, bless God, I should have put my mic on. Hey, here, here, watch this. He's going in there with the right thing. He's going in there with the fire from the altar, the incense, which is prayer, and the blood on his hand. Hey, he can get into the holy place. He pulls that curtain back with confidence. How do you know that? Because he's got the blood on his hand. That's how I know. And he goes behind the curtain, praise God, and he waves that censer over the mercy seat. I've thought about that for a long time. And finally in Ohio, sitting in a motel room, God gave me why that was. We needed fire from the altar. But if there isn't a glow, if there isn't a glow in that censer, he don't know where the mercy seat's at. What did say that, Jimmy? Amen. It's totally dark behind that thing. He's got to have the, the fire from the altar is going to light and you can't see in the dark and it's going to light the mercy seat and he's going to sprinkle the incense on it and the smell's going to rise up and seven times this hand he's going to drop that blood on that mercy seat and God says satisfied you know what he had to do to get to the vessel of the ark, he had to unveil the vessel. He had to go behind the curtain. He, if he stood on this side of the curtain, that big, thick curtain, the colors make all the difference in that too. Praise God. That's why Jesus had to wear crimson. That's why they had to put that purple robe on him. Because huh? one of the colors would have been left out at the sacrifice. I'll get to that in a minute. And there he is. There he is behind that veil. And the blood's on there. And God's satisfied. Now he can do the work for the others. I'm not going to cover all that. But are we seeing it? Are we seeing it? Moses unveiled so they could see his glory. The ark's unveiled so the priest can put the blood on it. Are you there? You seeing it in mind? Praise God. That big old heavy curtain. He moves that thing back. He's got that censer in his hand and the blood on his hand. I don't know if he took a cup. I've thought of this today and I can't, I can't answer the question. Uh, scripturally but I thought if he dipped his finger in that blood that blood had to adhere to that finger and he had to be careful not to wipe it off on the curtain 
And he had to get in there, and that blood had to be on, and he had to have, make sure seven drops was on that finger. That's a good Bible study right there. You think about that, because I couldn't find the answer today. I, I can't find anywhere where there was a, a container that the blood was caught in. It was just on his hand. Now, he might have had a lot of blood on his hand. He might have just dipped it in. That's a good study. But he had to unveil the vessel of the ark. God calls it a vessel on over there when he said all the vessels were removed from the holy place, so don't fall out with me over there. He had to unveil that vessel, and that mercy seat had to have blood on it. And God said, satisfy. Now this continued on for about, uh, about 1,500 years. There's a lamb killed in the morning, lamb killed in the evening, but once every year, that priest's going behind that curtain, he's moving that curtain, he's going back there, he's unveiling the vessel of the ark, and he's putting the blood on there. Are you still with me? So we come down, I got Moses in there somewhere, there it is, verse, verse seven. Verse eight, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious for if the ministration of condemnation be glory. Talking about the law. Much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Hey, it, when he put the blood on the mercy seat, that's a glorious event. But it was according to the law. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect. By reason of the glory that excelleth that means that it that it surpassed glory now verse 11 for if that which is done away with was glorious now here's what a God's a lot smarter than I was I read about four or five different fellows to make sure they all said the same thing right here and all of them's in agreement on this. I mean, old, old stuff back in the 1600s, 17 writers from then. Here's what they said about that. You know why Moses put it on when he wasn't talking to them? So he couldn't, they couldn't see the diminished glory. In other words, when he's been with God, the glory's on him. He's talking to the people. They can see it. There's no doubt he's got God on him. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me just a little bit. No doubt he's got God, what did I say? On him. Now, when, he, when Aaron unveils the mercy seat, there's no doubt the blood's there because God don't kill them all. The glory's revealed. You still with me? Here we go in verse number 20. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. That means he's speaking boldly. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look, here it is, look to the end of that which is abolished. In other words, he didn't want them looking at the thing that's diminishing because he wasn't, he wasn't always going to have the glory on him. Though the law's a glorious thing, Randall, 
<laughs> He's with me. I got right at that. He is with me. The, the, it's being abolished. Don't tell me I got to live under the law. I'll tell you, you bumped your head. Now watch this. To the end, which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil. Untaken away. Now this is, this is about 59 to 60 to 61 AD after the death. And they still got the veil on their eyes. I'm just going to tell you. That's what the majority of them over there that's fighting today has got. They still got the veil on their eyes. And they don't have a blood sacrifice. Because they don't have a temple. They don't have anywhere to put it. This is going to get them to desiring one though. It's enough of that. I was getting down the wrong road. Same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ. Hallelujah. But even unto this day. When Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. When they read the law, the Torah, when they read that, and they, they, that is still on their heart. That veil is there. The thing that separates them from the very glory of God. Where was the glory? Well, it was on Moses. Mm. And it was on the mercy seat because he said, that's where I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to, he just hovered. His presence was over the mercy seat. Praise God. I'm glad that it was the mercy seat where he showed up at. Now, the veil's on their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall, when it, the heart, he didn't say if. Still with me? Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. One of these days, they're blinded in part, but one of these days, God's opening and taking the veil away. They're going to see. He's going to say, where'd you receive those wounds? He said, in the house of my friends. He's taking it away. Oh, 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 hold on. Now the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, we, we talk to that, and we use that referring often, often corporately to places and houses of worship, and it is applicable there. But this is personal. This is personal. Where the spirit of the Lord is, he's given us liberty. Praise God. He set the captive free. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's liberty. But now I'm turning my verse. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Transformed. Transformed. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye. Thank you. Into the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know why I never seen that. I see the veil 
upon Moses. I see the veil. I see the vessel unveiled by Aaron the priest. I see another veil in Herod's temple. And I've thought this and, and for years. I've mentioned a time or two here, but I'm careful not to mention it out in other churches because that's not my flock. And so I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be uh, cautious and, and not preach anything that they haven't heard their pastor say or they would, his, their pastor might not agree with. But I'm going to tell you, I learned today. I, I got out my encyclopedia, my Zondervan uh, Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible. If you can find a set of those, I'd recommend you buy one, especially if you're in ministry. But I don't know that they're even in print now. I got this thing out. I'm reading about the veil, and I, I text Cal Ray. I said, Cal, quick question. Do you agree that when Christ was crucified, the ark was not in the holy place? He texts back, absolutely correct. In 63 B.C., now this is, and it could be off a few years there, so it's nearly 70 years before the birth of Christ. Pompey invades Jerusalem and goes in. Now Herod don't have the temple yet. It's the temple of Ezra and them built. Nehemiah built the wall, Ezra built the temple. He goes into this place. Herod's going to come along uh, uh, on down the road and really turn it into something. But Pompey goes in there, and here's what Josephus, the Hebrew historian, said, and he found an empty room. It wasn't there. So, Watch this. Here we have them wasting their time. They're killing a lamb at 9 o'clock that morning and 3 o'clock that afternoon when Jesus went to the cross, when he took him down off the cross. The lamb is sacrificed at both points of that. That's important right there. So the lamb's being killed. There's nowhere to put the blood. When it come time for that priest to go behind that curtain, the curtain was there and he's going into an empty room. And here's why. You want to see the unveiling? Here's why. Because the glory wasn't behind the curtain anymore. The glory was on the cross. The glory wasn't behind the curtain that hole was empty. The glory's hanging on the cross. Glory to his name. Now, there he is, beaten, battered, bruised, bleeding. I mean, ble he's a bloody mess. He don't even look like a man. And they say, is that the glory of God? Hey, that's what the glory looked like on Calvary. What's the good about that preacher? What I just read in verse 18. Just so I won't miss a word, let me flip over here and read you this. Now, don't fall out with this word, predestinate. There, for whom he did foreknow, that's where my Calvinist friends say, you're born to be saved or lost. I disagree with that. I'm a whosoever guy. I'm on record saying that. And I, I love them, but I, I just disagree with them. 
Because listen at this. He also did predestinate, here's the predestination, to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm not there yet. He's still working on me. But when he shall appear, then there I am. Watch this. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them also, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them also he glorified. Now, glorified. The predestinated plan is this. He's, he's conforming me, or I'm to be conformed to the image of Christ. What is that? Here it is. From glory to glory. You know what he said here? But we all with open face. You know what that means? There's no veil. That literally means in the Greek, unveiled. And then we look in a glass. I'm about to take a lap. Then we look in a glass. Boy, there's some mornings I get up. That unshaven, messed up hair, bags under my eyes, wrinkles I didn't even know I had hurting in my back and my leg. I don't know how I got to where I'm at, but I look in the glass and I think that's the most pitiful thing I ever seen. You know what God said? When I look in the glass, that's my glory. You know why? Because ain't no veil. The veil's been rent in two. And that was to show us that that hole was empty. And the, the work was done on Calvary. But the, listen, the cross wasn't the only thing is empty. The tomb's empty also. Praise God. You know what that says? That says I'm able to have some of his glory. Look here. Well, hallelujah. The glory was on Moses. And the glory, the glory was on the mercy seat. The glory was never behind the curtain. Praise God after Ezra. But the glory's not on me. It's in me. And then if it's in you, every now and then, when you look in the glass, you'll see it on you. You know what he does? He unveils the vessel. Now is he through with us? No. No. Because that song said, This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise To seize the everlasting prize And I'll shout while passing Through the air farewell Farewell Sweet hour of prayer What does that mean preacher? That means one of these days I reckon the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what happens when we get there, Jimmy? You talk about peace. Praise God. You can leave, hey, you can leave your guns here when you go, brother. You ain't never going to need them anymore. When we get there, you want to talk about glory? Can you imagine this? When God looks up and sees Matt Dukes, he says, there's my glory. He sees old Randy Weaver, the race car driver. Hey, none of your trophies compare with this, my friend. When he looks up, he says, there's my glory right there. Hey, 
When we get there, there's his glory. It's not going to bring us glory when we get there. It's going to bring him glory. And there it is. Hallelujah. It's the unveiling of a vessel. That's what it is. That's what he does. That's what you are. Glory to glory. Hallelujah. How come? How do we do that? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You're not pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough to ever have that glory on you apart from the Spirit of the Lord. That is the glory that He gives us and He indwells us. And then praise God every now and then you see it on us. Aren't you glad that He unveils the vessels? Come get some, come play something, Jewel. Somebody might want to pray. I don't know if we want to pray or not. It might. I was praying this morning. I said, Lord, if this goes real good tonight, I might just preach it tomorrow night in North Carolina. I might preach it. I'll wake up in the morning and give me something else. But if you don't give me something else. I'm glad. And I, it's hard for me to believe it. It's hard for me to believe that we are the glory of the Lord my goodness how can I be the glory of the Lord that's what he said you've been unveiled and it's glory to glory aren't you glad for the glory of God he is worthy of all praise honor and glory We're going to stand to our feet while Jewel just plays on the piano. If you need to pray about something, you ought to come. Just play on, says, Father, I love you. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the time of truth.